My brain is very much a hodgepodge of different things, and this podcast definitely bears that out. We're going to talk about being a woman, making dinner, and how stupid that is, pets, farms, and really anything else that pops into my mind. So, like I've said before, if you like to listen to podcasts for some kind of narrative story and theme drawing it all together, this is not for you. But if you like random knowledge bombs and sarcastic crap, you are definitely in the right place. Anxiety's a bitch. Because if you deal with it, you know your brain goes from zero to worst case scenario in about 2.3 seconds. So if most normal people get an email that says, hey, it's going to be a heck of a meeting, they think, whew, it's going to be a heck of a meeting. Can't wait to see what's going on. Uh, People with anxiety get, oh God, I'm getting fired. Oh God, somebody else is getting fired. Oh God, something is done totally wrong. Oh God, what happens if we don't have any money? Oh God, if we don't have any money, we can't pay the rent. We can't pay the mortgage. We're going to lose the house. I'm going to get divorced. No one loves me anymore. Things are going terrible. I'm a complete failure. Oh my God, I should go back to bed. No, I can't go back to bed. That'll make me feel like a failure. I put real pants on for this. Let's be honest, making dinner sucks. Planning for dinner sucks. Nobody told me when I was growing up how fucking exhausting it is to think of something to eat for dinner every fucking night. And yes, I recognize this is very much a first world problem and that there are people in developing countries who would give probably a kidney to struggle over what to have for dinner every night out of the myriad of options. But speaking as a very first world woman with a pantry full of shit I have to cook... It is exhausting. I didn't realize how incredibly annoying it was to think about what I want to eat every night. I don't want cereal. I don't want a sandwich. I want someone to make it for me. I want a chef. And yes, I know there are apps and meal programs and all that other shit. I've tried them. It's still dinner. I still have to do something. And by the end of the day, especially on a Friday, I am exhausted. I do not want to make dinner. I want someone to make me dinner. I want someone to read my mind, tell me precisely what I need, want, crave, the amount of protein or macros that are going to make me look and feel my best, and put that shit on a plate in front of me. And if you could make it tasty, that would be delightful. Unfortunately, that is not the world I live in. Maybe it's the world you live in. And if it is, please reach out to me and let me know exactly how that works out, because I would love to make that happen. What my car really needs isn't cruise control. It's some kind of system that says, hey, were you going to the store? Awesome. You should have turned right instead of left. Yeah, you're going the wrong direction. Because how many of us have gotten in the car with a plan of exactly where we need to go and what we need to do, and yet somehow our driving body is on autopilot, and the next thing you know, you're heading in completely the wrong direction. If someone could invent that, that would be spectacular. Being a woman is stupid and complicated. Let me give you an example. If I smile too much, then I'm an airhead and I have nothing going on upstairs. If I don't smile enough or at all, then I'm a bitch and I have something called resting bitch face, which is actually just my face. That's just like how it sits when I'm not making expressions. But nobody ever comes up to a man and goes, dude, you're resting dick face. I mean, you would look so much more handsome if you just smile. Nope, that is solely reserved for women. So here's another fun thing about being a woman. What I wear. Nobody's going around looking at men saying, "Mm, God, those pants are so last year. Or, oh, Jerry just looks so uptight in that plaid shirt. Again, solely reserved for women. 
So I either dress too conservatively, in which case I'm a prude, I'm no fun, I will not be making any good decisions because I'm too conservative, or I dress like a slut. And by dress like a slut, I mean you might be able to see an ankle, my collarbone, or a wrist. Again, 2020, not 1920, same basic principle applies. So there's no happy medium. The pants are either too tight or too loose. The shirt is either too buttoned or unbuttoned. The clothes are either too slutty or too conservative. The point is, I can't win. And then there's hair color. Blondes are ditzes. Brunettes are smart or sexy. Uh, redheads are crazy or temperamental. But we're not applying this to men. No, no, this is still reserved for women. Nobody sees a blonde guy walk into a room and go, mm, he dumb. Unless he opens his mouth and says something really dumb. But if you have a well-dressed blonde woman walk into a room, chances are very good that at least one or two people in the room are going to think, oh, a blonde? Is she smart enough for this? To say nothing of the fact that there's ageism, God forbid I look too young to be this smart, or too old to be this smart, or I'm dressing too conservatively to be this smart, or too conservatively to have these outside-the-box ideas. Like, damn, can we just walk around naked? Maybe that would work. I'm fat. I'm not fat. I'm skinny. I'm hairy. Who gives a flying fuck? Am I doing my job well? Probably. If I'm not, let's focus on that. So enough about me. Let's talk about pets for a hot second, because who loves pets? I love pets. I have lots of pets. In fact, sometimes I have too many pets, because then I can't leave the house. But I digress. Let's talk about pets. talk for a minute about the phrase up with the chickens so either i'm super old or super rural or super crazy but that's a phrase i heard a lot be up with the chickens get up with the chickens and i have chickens now and these people are fucking high they clearly never lived on a farm because up with the chickens would mean i would be up at 11 30 and then 12 45 1 15 maybe two o'clock Maybe, you know, 3.43 when the rooster decides to stretch his wings and cock-a-doodle inside the coop loud enough to make all the other hens go deaf. So up with the chickens? Load of bullshit. Those little fuckers do not sleep. Speaking of other phrases that have clearly been conjured up by someone who never lived on or near a farm, the phrase, he must have been born in a barn when someone leaves the door open. And this is bullshit for any number of reasons, not the first of which is... If you did grow up in a barn, you know the first thing you do is never leave the door open because that lets the animals out, usually into places you don't want. Like, for example, the grain, the hay, the tractor, anything else they can get into, onto, walk on, poop on, destroy. So if you were born in a barn, it means you shut the door every single time and actually neurotically check it a few more times to make sure it's locked, firmly shut, and will not open in any case, including nuclear explosion. You ever have one of those days where your body just doesn't give you the satisfaction of actually bruising? Yeah, I know. It's a weird concept. Let's just say hypothetically you take your dog for a walk. And let's say that hypothetically as you're walking, your dog, who is a very well-mannered boy, suddenly gets super excited and yanks on the leash at exactly the same time that you're stepping on something that's not super solid and you fall shin first into either a piece of driftwood or a rock or both. You don't remember because you were falling at the time, not really paying attention to what you were falling on. And you rack the shit out of your shin to the point where 
you know it's not broken, but it really hurts to stand on because the bruising is already starting, like the fluid is filling up. So every time you take a step, there's this weird, uncomfortable, slightly painful vibration feeling in your shin. Let's just say that's a hypothetical. Let's say that's happened, right? And so you think to yourself, holy shit, that's going to be a bruise. Thank God it's not short season. And then your body, five to seven days later, does not bruise. There's a slight yellowing, maybe a tiny tinge of green in there, really not obvious. And you don't even get the satisfaction of saying, oh my God, my leg hurts so bad, look at this bruise, as a visual piece of proof of how bad it hurts. Nope, I'm just walking around looking completely normal, complaining that my leg hurts with no actual proof of anything. I could be completely faking this because my body hates me. I mean, in retrospect, this is probably a good thing because who wants to walk around with giant bruises all the time? Um, I'm graceful, so I do. But apparently not all the time because I can like tap my shin on a piece of furniture in the living room and have a giant purple bruise for three weeks. I fall shin first with the full weight of my body onto a very hard surface, no bruise, no satisfaction, very upsetting. Probably the most first world of first world problems, but there it is. I've gotten two black eyes in the past six months, which may sound like a more serious problem than it actually is. So in the first place, I was doing what probably a lot of us do, which is looking at my phone in bed. Rolled over, didn't want to get out of bed, still wanted to check my email and at least pretend like I was being productive or, you know, actually working. So I'm laying there, partially reclined, holding my phone directly above my head, which was brilliant right up until the point where I dropped it right on the corner of my eye socket. Yeah, fun fact, an iPhone falling from six inches above your face will make you have a black eye and an amazing bruise and give you some really interesting looks from strangers. That's part one. Fast forward six months, I have cats. I have a lot of cats. They're all very wonderful unless they don't want to be disturbed. So... I'm outside, and we see movement under the cover of the boat. No big deal, probably a cat. So I do what I've done thousands of times before, and I gently lift the corner of the boat cover and gently peer underneath it. And what do I see but two yellow eyes, a fluffy head, and a mouth going, <laughs> which is immediately followed by a paw reaching out and bitch-slapping the crap out of me right next to my eye. So for the second time in six months... I have not only a black eye, but an interesting little cat scratch, which I'm beginning to think makes people wonder what type of marriage I have. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not graceful. I have cats. Please don't judge me. I can't possibly be the only person who has this happen to them. Today's adventure, building IKEA furniture. And not just fun IKEA furniture like chairs or tables. Nope, I'm building my own couch. This seems unsafe. The first step was getting the box in from the garage. Now, I am not a large person. This is a fucking huge box. I can lay in a fully extended and prone position on this box and still have about a foot and a half between the top of my head and the top of this box to say nothing about its width. Yet I managed to get it in. My next challenge, opening the box. Thanks to Ikea's adorable little pictograms, they have taped this shit shut with enough tape to probably launch something to Mars and back and never have it melt on re-entry. But I'm not supposed to open the box with a knife. Please explain to me how I'm supposed to get in. Prayer? The other fun thing about Ikea furniture is it's completely counterintuitive. For example, I am building these two chaise lounge things. Not terribly complicated. It's literally a back and a seat. 
However, when I open the 94 pound box that is the size of me and pull out all of the myriad pieces, do you know what I find? No instructions. I find something that tells me who designed it. I find something that tells me how to wash it. And I find something that tells me I have to put the cover on first, so I have to open the cover first. Fun fact, found the box that had the cover in it, opened the box that has the cover in it. Rather than telling me how to wash the cover in the box that has the cover, it tells me how to put the furniture together in the box that has the cover. That makes total sense. And some final thoughts on our IKEA furniture. One of the more entertaining parts of the instruction is a little depiction of a single person with an X through it and then two people smiling, which I take to mean that one person cannot put this furniture together, which is incorrect because I totally put it together with no problems all by myself. But maybe Ikea's onto something here. I would totally pay to see a dating show in which two people are put together, blind date, to build Ikea furniture. Now, you may be asking yourself, why am I building Ikea furniture by myself when I have a husband? And I'm just going to let you think about that one for a hot second. I am building Ikea furniture by myself because I have a husband. Because, God bless the man, love him dearly, there are things that we cannot do together. Like, for example, building things. Legos. One of us ends up cranky, yelling, stomping out of the room. Doubles kayak. One of us yelling, cranky, not so much walking out of the room, but trying to figure out how the fuck to turn that thing around so we can get back to shore and get out of the same fucking boat and into our own little tiny fucking boats where we don't have to worry about who's steering and who's driving. So I'm building Ikea furniture all by myself to save my marriage. And there you have it, folks. A random hodgepodge of thoughts that has been cluttering my brain for the past two weeks. You're welcome.